It's time, the final preseason game, and after that, we're talking real football. This is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasugi, and thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Zach Segna also here with me to talk about the, well, I don't know if we're going to talk about it too much, but we're going to talk about it a little bit at least. Plus, we got a lot of news to get into with the Chiefs and some non-Chiefs news here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Obviously going to talk about the preseason game between the Chiefs and the Packers. What are we expecting? Who do we think is going to have a big game? Uh, some over-unders for the Kansas City Chiefs are out, so we will go on that. I know Zach is big on that kind of stuff, so we will do our over-unders. We'll see what we agree and disagree on. And the Kansas City Royals up for sale. Now, does that impact the Chiefs in any way? Uh, is there any Chiefs angle to that? Or is it just mostly a Kansas City story? We'll talk about that as well. Also, this Andrew Luck story continuing to dominate headlines. A lot of people still talking about it. And I want to talk about some of the aftermath that's been going on in all of this. Because it's a pretty serious story here. And Rob Gronkowski, uh, he had a, a very interesting uh, speech that he was giving out. And I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Plus... You will not believe, Zach, what one sports organization did. Uh, don't answer this out loud yet, but think about this until you ha- until we get to this. What is the most egregious error a sports organization has made? I'll tell you what this organization did, and I don't know if you can top this one at all. Plus, we'll give our hot takes at the end of the day. Facebook.com slash Farzivisugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. I am also on Twitter at Farzin21. Zach is on Twitter at ZSteginga. You can... Leave us a voicemail or text us at 913-808-2119. Subscribe and share the links for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Zach is back here on the podcast after a weekend in St. Louis. How was the wedding in the good old STL? You know, it was actually a really good time. You know, it was one of those things that being back in the Midwest for the first time in a while, I couldn't help but laugh as I was Ubering from the airport to the hotel. I was, you know, just sitting there thinking like, man, you know, this is something that we just don't have in New York as I was driving down the highway and there were two open lanes next to me. That doesn't happen here. So, you know, the novelties of things that you don't realize you miss until, you know, you see them for the first time in a long time. It's like, hey, you know, it is kind of nice to have an open highway in front of me for a minute. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, boy, I, I, I've never thought about that. I mean, it sounds cool to live in places like New York and L.A. And I'm sure there's a lot to do there, but it's like. A big part of it is getting to your destination and just how long it takes. And it's like, I've, I've never really thought about that, uh, that whole deal. Yeah. Uh, have you had have you had any, any downtime to like go out and maybe explore the city a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's the thing with New York is like, you know, you mentioned L.A. and New York in the same breath there. And the one thing that's just like a massive difference between those two is that L.A. you have to drive. Like the public transportation isn't really much of an option, whereas New York... That is true. I mean, I don't have a car, and I very much prefer it this way. I mean, well, I miss driving. Don't get me wrong there. But <laughs> to drive in this town, yeah, absolutely not. I'm good not doing that for a while. Uh, let me set the stage for the next few episodes here on this podcast. We're going to have a busy set of episodes coming your way. Obviously, uh, this podcast, we're only going to do our hot takes. We're not going to do the other closing hits we normally do, nor are we going to do that next week because... Well, let me get to next week in a moment, but... For uh, Friday, obviously the Chiefs play on Thursday against the Packers, and uh, we are going to recap that. I'll be on my own. Zach will not be with me on that one. It'll be a very short episode. We'll just basically talk about that game. I know it's not the most 
exciting game to talk about. Uh, Zach, what's more exciting, the fourth preseason game or the Pro Bowl? Ooh, that's a tough call. I mean, I would say, like, for the average person, I'd say the Pro Bowl is probably a little bit more fun. But, I mean, I personally prefer the last preseason game just because, like, you know, there's some of the rookies that you're going to see get some meaningful playing time. I mean, it's less exciting for us this year as Chiefs fans, but, like, you know, there's some pieces that I'd be excited to see, hoping that I can find a feed here in New York that'll show it. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, like, yeah, I want to see some of our rookies and see what they can do. Um, and we've still got, you know, a bunch of people competing for the depth spots. Uh, at, you know, receiver, you've got some, you know, I mean, we've got some people on that particular position that could very well be picked up by other teams and have a good season just because we have so much depth there. Um, and then the flip side of that, I'd love to see how our corners are going to perform just because, you know, we still don't really know what we have there outside of, you know, Bashad Breland and uh, Kendall Fuller. Do you remember, I want to say it was Todd Haley's first year as the head coach of the Chiefs. I think he left the starters on the field for a long time in the fourth quarter of that game. And the Chiefs starters actually looked really terrible. And at that moment, I was like, okay, look, it's the preseason, but this is going to be a long year if our starters cannot beat these backups that are about to get cut in 48 hours. Do you remember that a few years ago? I think that was his very first year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the starters stayed on the field way longer than they should have. Uh, I just, I, I've had memories of that and I just never want to remember those ever again. Uh, but anyway, nonetheless, uh, Friday we'll recap the game between the Chiefs and the Packers who made a big push to make the 53 man roster. And then over the weekend, it'll be Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you guys get some downtime, get to relax, chill, enjoy yourselves during the Labor Day weekend. Yeah, so here's what's going to happen. this guy gets some barbecue in him cause I'm coming home. There you go. Barbecue. That's what I like. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be grilling all weekend too. Uh, Wednesday, we want to do something, and I don't know how this is going to go, but I really need as much audience participation possible, because we want to do a Q&A mailbag, so I'll post something on Facebook, and by the way, I've already received a few questions, some good questions that I'm going to say, so if you've uh, posted on the Facebook page, don't take it personally, if I didn't respond or anything, I'm going to save your questions, and we're going to read them for that episode next Wednesday, uh, I'll post a few times over the weekend. I'll say, hey, look, we are, we're going to do a Q&A. Let us know if you have questions. I will save them on a Word document, and I'll mention if it's coming from Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Uh, you can write on my Facebook wall, or you can just comment on one of the posts. You can tweet Zach and I. You can always leave a voicemail, text in, or you can email me, farzine at farzinevasugian.com. We're basically going to do this massive NFL preview show, but we also want to do a Q&A segment uh, basically a mailbag where you guys can ask whatever you want, preferably Chiefs-related or NFL-related things. But if you guys want to talk, I don't know, uh, Royals baseball, sure, I guess we could, we could do that. But preferably, but I like, mean, it's going to be a why? Chiefs Q&A. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I don't know who would. Yeah. Anyway, but nonetheless, we're doing basically a big Q&A segment, and we need your participation. So please, 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 if you have questions you want us to, to answer, I'll ask on Facebook and Twitter, but... You guys can go right ahead if you have a question you want to send in to me and Zach. We will answer that as well. And then for Thursday, uh, we will break down our first game of the regular season. Uh, we will do the 2019 preview for the Chiefs, and we'll break down the Chiefs and Jaguars game. And Zach, that is going to be your first uh, pregame show on this podcast. Yeah, man. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm hyped for this one. 
Uh, not maybe not as hyped as you know Tyreek Hill is to show up Jalen Ramsey again, but close. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that as well next week as the uh, the trash talk is already gun underway so i just wanted to set the stage that is what's going on for the podcast in the next uh few episodes obviously we're going to be doing a lot because the preseason's then ending the 53-man roster cut is going to take place this week i'll give you the details on that and with the holiday weekend we'll let that uh take place and we will pick back up after the holiday weekend one quick note before we move on with the show uh we are going to do another mahomes uh magic crunch Give, what is it? Mahomes Magic Crunch or Magic yeah. Mahomes Crunch? Mahomes Magic Crunch. Mahomes. I don't know why. Says the I, guy I, who lives in the city where they do not sell it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're gonna do another one. I told you guys I was a little nervous about how we were gonna do this giveaway because last time I did a giveaway, we had a lot of whining and crying. But you guys uh, have matured. I or maybe we just have a better audience this time. I don't know. It's been several years since we last did a giveaway, but we uh, we got two winners. And we're going to do two more next week on Wednesday, and that'll be Wednesday at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We'll do it on Facebook, and we'll do it on Twitter. Uh, Basically, on Facebook, you just need to like the post, and you need to comment and tag three friends and share it. Just do those three simple things. On Twitter, it's a simple retweet and follow. you got to be following in order to win. And you got to obviously like the page, too, on Facebook in order to win. So that is how we're going to do our next set of uh, Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways. Uh, now that it is all out of the way, uh, Zach, I know you're big on this sports betting thing. You're a big fan of all this kind of stuff. So I know you were really excited when I mentioned that we were going to put this on the podcast. So Bet Online put out some over-unders for all these NFL teams, and they uh, put out some over-unders for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to go over these, and Zach, you and I are going to go back and forth here. We're going to give our over and our under on these right here. Well, whether they basically, take the over or under. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they basically split it up. They put the quarterback, the running back. They put a couple of receivers, the tight end. And then they, they put a couple of uh, defensive players on here. Um, they only put sack totals. They, they did not put interception totals. I don't know if they were expecting the Chiefs or if they just didn't do interception totals uh, for other teams or maybe just the Chiefs. I don't know. But nonetheless, we'll go with what they gave out for the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's start with this one. For Patrick Mahomes, uh, on the over or under for this one, for passing yards, 4,500 yards. I think it's a pretty well-placed line, frankly. I think that he's going to go slightly over it, so I will. I would take the over on this one, especially, I mean, you know, assuming it's your standard over-under where the action's basically the same on either side. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over on this one without a doubt. Okay, I am going to go over as well. Uh, this one, a lot of people are taking the over on this one. Touchdown passes... That line is set at 35 and a half. What says you? I say that's a line that's going to wind up closer to 40 before too long. But yeah, for the moment, it's absolutely take the over on that. And if you have the opportunity to lock it in soon, you do it. Okay, this one I think is very interesting. And I've seen a lot of split answers on this one. Interceptions 12. That is exactly what he had in 2018. What do you say on this one? I mean, frankly, this is one that I think it might actually just be right on the money. Like, if they had put it 11.5 or something just to make it, you know, useful, I would have probably taken the over or something like that. Like, I really wouldn't be shocked if he hits the exact same number that he threw last year. Maybe a couple more. So I guess I'll take the over, but this is going to be a hard one to project. And this is, you know, as the amateur betting man that I am, this is one that I just wouldn't put money on. (laughs) 
This is kind of hard for me to do the over-unders for all these numbers they're putting for Mahomes because to me it really does depend on the defense. Like, if the defense was not so bad last year and all the yards and points they allowed, do you think Patrick Mahomes would have had 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards? I mean, those numbers are cool, don't get me wrong, but I think a big part of that, you know, if we're being honest, had to do with the fact that the defense was not able to help the team close games at times. Now, the defense came through on certain occasions. Uh, The Broncos game was one. Um, the Ravens game, they came through when the Chiefs really ne- needed it. Um, so there have been occasions where the defense did come through, but more times than not, they didn't. So it is pretty hard for me. I will say this. I think the Chiefs are going to air it out even more this season. And because of that, I'm going to go with the over on that for the interceptions. Totally fair. And, you know, Travis Kelsey, as good of a source as there is, said, you know, we're probably going to pass the ball this year. So, uh, oh, at the uh, at the Chiefs banquet. Yeah, thought that was pretty great. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I saw Matt Derrick, a friend of the podcast, he posted that. So Uh, we'll get to Kelsey in a moment. But uh, let's switch over to the running back spot where they have Damian Williams rushing yards, 825. I'm going to take the under on that. If you gave me total yards, that's maybe a different story. But I don't think he's going to have as many yards, you know, officially rushing. Um, I think he's going to, you know, I mean, he could get to somewhere around that yardage mark, but you'd have to include the passes he's going to catch out of the backfield for him to get there. Yeah, that is, that's pretty tricky because Damian Williams is kind of an unknown. And I think one of the biggest storylines is how are the Chiefs going to fill in uh, Kareem Hunt's shoes? By the way, one noticeable thing from the preseason, and this is more specifically from Carlos Hyde, who a lot of people think won't make the team. I know Kareem Hunt fumbled on his very first snap. After that, he never fumbled again. We saw Carlos Hyde fumble the football, and it was just kind of an awkward moment for me, Zach, because we're not used to seeing running backs fumble, at least in recent memory, because Kareem Hunt did such a fantastic job of that. So how do you how, how do you handle that if you're the Chiefs moving forward? But nonetheless, I will say, over on that one, I I think he actually will eclipse the... 1,000-yard rushing mark if he can stay healthy. Um, So hopefully he'll be able to do that. Total touchdowns, that is placed at 10.5. So that being receiving and rushing both, I mean... Correct. It wouldn't shock me if, you know, it's, uh, you know, eight rushing, three receiving, something like that. So I'll I'll give him the over on that. But the 10.5 line is, uh, yeah, that one's pretty well-placed. Got to hand him that. I I do agree. It's well-placed. And under an Andy Reid offense, yeah. I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll go over on that one as well. Uh, let's switch over to the wide receivers. Tyreek Hill at 1,100 yards. He had 1,400 yards last year. That was a uh, franchise record, by the way, in Chiefs history. He had the 1,400-plus yards. Uh, where do you go on this one? I think I might take like, just a slight over. I don't think he's going to break you know, like 1,200, 1,300 yards, but I think he'll you know, get somewhere in the 11s. So I'll give the slight nudge to the over on this, but that's that one's pretty well placed too, just because there's so many weapons for Mahomes to spread the ball around to. Yeah, I was going to say that too. When you draft McCall Hardman, uh, you know, Byron Pringle, I, I know he hasn't really been flashy this preseason, but maybe he's done things in training camp that's maybe impressed the coach except that we haven't seen. DeAnthony Thomas, a lot of expectations that he makes the team, even though he just came back. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to have 1,400 yards again. And if he does, and if everyone's healthy, boy, um, that is pretty impressive. I will go over as well, and I do agree with you. I think it'll be slightly over. Total touchdowns on this one. Now, I don't know if... We're including special teams touchdowns. It does say total touchdowns, but it doesn't specify there. Let's just stick with offensive total touchdowns on this one. That is placed at 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I think I'm going to take a 
again, just a slight over. Like, I think he'll hit 11 more so than only end up with 9. This is why they put the decimal points in, and they should have put a decimal point on this one. Would it shock me for a minute if he hit 10 right on the head? Nope, not for a minute. Uh, So I'm going to take the slight over on this because I'm an optimist. Uh, But this is another one that I would just stay away from if I was actually betting on it. My biggest criticism of Patrick Mahomes was that in some of the uh, wide-open passes he missed on, you know, those are rookie mistakes right there, or redshirt rookie mistakes if we're being specific there. And I think with experience, he will get better in those categories, and he'll connect more so than miss on some of those wide-open plays. Again, he, he, he connected on some of them. I want to be clear on that. But there were a few times, like the Steelers game, which the next play ended up being a safety in the end zone. Um he missed Tyree Kill on a wide open play. He did that a couple of more times in the regular season, and you cannot miss out on those opportunities. And I think with experience, he he won't miss on those plays as much. And I think with Tyree Kill, those guys establishing another year of chemistry and rapport, I think they're going to do a better job. So I'm going to go over on that one. I think it's going to be way over. This one is interesting. Lots of people are going to go over, or I've been seeing people on Twitter say they're going way over on both of these. Sammy Watkins, I'm going to give them both together. 650 receiving yards and five touchdowns. I think this one ultimately comes down to, and the reason that it's you know placed so low, I understand why people are taking the massive over, but let's be real. When's the last time the guy played 16 games in a season? It's been it's a minute. It's his rookie year. Uh, and so with that in mind, I think that's part of the reason they have it so low. So there's certainly an opportunity to uh, you know make some money here. I think that you know, the over on the receiving yards is pretty easy. I think he'll end up with you know, at least seven seven fifty, provided he stays healthy. Um, the total touchdowns, ah, that's a little tougher, just because as you look at you know what thing, you know what sorts of things happen in the red zone. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he actually comes down closer to that five number than closer to say ten touchdowns. I hope I'm wrong, uh, and I'd still probably take the over, just because again, if they're going to place the line at five, you know that ultimately makes me have to think like, all right, is he going to is he more likely to have four or six, right? And if he stays healthy no chance he ends up with just four. So I'll take the over and you know assume he'll go higher. Uh, I'm going to go over on both. I'm optimistic he can stay healthy. It's been a while, as you mentioned, since he's played a full season. And I think, you know, it's overdue, man. You got to, at some point, these injuries have got to, have got to stop and you got to be able to have a 16-game season. So I think uh, he's, he's capable of doing that. I know a lot of talk about him, especially when it looked like he might, have replaced Tyreek Hill or maybe just filled in and for a few games when there was a suspension that everyone was, even he was anticipating it in an interview he gave once, but no, uh, not going to be the case. I still think he's going to get the over on both of those right there. Uh, this now, one's by very the same token, if I could jump in on that for a minute, yeah, you can sure. find a place where, you know, there's somewhere they let you kind of escalate it, if you will, to where like, you know, you get much better odds if you, you know, you essentially move the line yourself. So you put it up at like, say, you know what? Not only do I think he's going to break your 650, I think he's going to have 800 yards and you can get way better odds on that. This is one of those opportunities where you can make some solid money. Just a brief aside. For Travis Kelsey, this is kind of interesting. They have 1,110 receiving yards, uh, 10 yards more than Tyree Kill. Uh, and for total touchdowns, they have nine and a half. Where do you stand on that? Well, first off, I love how specific it was, 1,110. At that point, you <laughs> might as well go for all ones and just tack that last one on there. But I digress. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that, honestly, that's a lot of receiving yards for the tight end. And I think that, you know, since I already took the over on Hill, I'm going to actually take the under on the yardage. That's hard for me because he did have 1,300 yards. And by the way, 
Tyreek getting 1,400 and, and Travis getting 1,300, you know, how much of that was due to Sammy Watkins' absence and Kareem Hunt uh, getting kicked off the team? I think I think that definitely has a role. Uh, Travis Kelsey did have a huge game in that first game without Kareem Hunt, uh, even though Tyreek Hill was actually quiet in that one. Uh, I know I'm not saying under a whole lot. In, uh, in fact, I don't think I've said under in any of these, have I? Um, I don't think I have. <laughs> I'm just kind of realizing that now. Yeah, I'm going to go over on the... Um, on the receiving yards, but I am going to go under on the touchdowns, not just because I, I feel like I need to say under at some point. I just feel like a lot of these receiving touchdowns are going to go more so to the wide receivers on this team and the running backs. And I, I think that that nine and a half, that's a great placement. I think he's going to have eight or nine touchdowns. So I'm going to go under on that one right there. Oh, see, so this will be an interesting one to keep track of because this is one where you and I just fundamentally disagree. You're taking the over on the receiving yardage and the under on the touchdowns. Uh, yeah. And I'm doing the exact opposite because I think there's, you know, he's definitely somewhere between 10 and 12 touchdowns, I think. So I'm going to take the over on that one. This is very interesting. Uh, Chiefs fans were not happy about how the lines were placed here. So for Chris Jones, they have 10 sacks. For Frank Clark, they have 11 sacks. Do you take issue with that? Do you think that's an unfair placement? As in like that they're too low? Yeah. No. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like, I mean, I understand where people come from on this. Like, you know, you want to see your team, you know, have, you know, obviously higher expected lines and stuff like that. Totally understand. By the same token, you know, I just look at this as a great opportunity to take the over, man. Like, I don't see any issue with those lines being what they are. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, really they're pretty close to right. Because I think the question's going to come down to, like, realistically, I'd put good money down that those two are going to split at least four sacks. Just because of the, you know, they're coming off the same side, they're going to be a handful to take on together. Uh, and while obviously there's going to be plenty of double teams, uh, you know, on each of them, like you're going to have, realistically, I think you'll see that you know the three out of the five linemen are focused on those two, plus probably a fullback or a running back whenever it comes to pass coverage. Um, so you know, does the massive focus on those two keep them from getting sacks while you know someone like Alex Okafor cleans up? Wouldn't shock me, but you know. If both of those two end up closer to 15 sacks, that also wouldn't shock me. So I'm going to take the over on these for sure. But that I'm would not be very impressive. Yeah, that would be very impressive if they both got to 15 sacks. I mean, it, look, it's really difficult for individuals to succeed on this team because you got a lot, lot of great wide receivers, but you know, not everyone can have a thousand yards uh, uh, on this defensive line right now. You've got Chris Jones and Frank Clark. You know, if they both get double digit sacks, hey, good on you, man. Uh, I remember in 2013, Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, if I remember correctly, they both had 11 sacks. Now, Houston played fewer games because of an injury. Uh, and then in the year where Houston was so close to breaking the single-season sack record, he had 22 sacks, whereas Holly only had six. So um, sometimes it does become this little race as to, you know, which pass rusher can get to the quarterback first because they both beat their assignments, and here they are both going over to – uh, beat up whoever's got the football under center. So mm-hmm. it does become that game sometimes. I'm going to go over for both. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic on that, but I can also see where they're coming from. And on the depth chart, which worth noting, they're not beside each other. We thought they were going to be right next to each other on the defensive line. Maybe that changes. But as of now, they are not next to each other. And I kind of think that makes it e- even a little easier for both of them to be able to get double-digit sacks in 2019. It's certainly possible. The other thing that I'd you know be remiss if I didn't mention is uh, the fact that realistically, if you think about the way that our offense is going to require 
most of our opponents to also throw the ball quite a bit, they're going to get more drop back opportunities than, you know, I think back to like the years when we had, you know, very much that ball control, you know, kind of ground and pound sort of offense here in Kansas City. Like, you know, people playing against that sort of team won't get as many opportunities to sack the quarterback as, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones will this year. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because. I remember last year when people mentioned how is it that the Chiefs were 31st, but they co-led the NFL in sacks. And some people mentioned the defense was on the field quite a lot. They played a lot more uh, defensive snaps. Well, now look, don't take credit away from them. Getting 52 sacks and leading the league is never an easy thing to do unless you're playing triple more than whoever is second most, which is unrealistic, obviously. But um, yeah, sometimes that can play a role, uh, because this offense is going to, this Chiefs offense, they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, you're going to have to abandon the running game if you're the Chargers, the Chi- or uh, the, the Raiders, whoever else uh, is playing the Chiefs this year, because it's going to be pretty hard to play catch-up if you're going to not abandon the running game. So I do get what you're saying. I, you make a, a great point right there. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, I just uh, put that away. Let me double-check on that one more time. Yeah, Chris Jones, 10 sacks. Frank Clark, 11. Let us know your thoughts. I already have a thread on it on Facebook and on Twitter, so feel free to respond to that. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugian, at Farzee21, and at Z Stegenga. A um, couple of notes to go over real quickly here. Uh, let's start with this one. Uh, Chiefs defensive end Breland speaks. He is going to need surgery on his sprained MCL and meniscus injury. And as someone who has torn his ACL and his meniscus, I can uh, I can tell you that is not uh, a fun uh, that is not a fun injury to deal with. Um, uh, now listen, uh, it's never ideal to lose anybody, uh, especially Breland speaks, given that he was your top draft pick last year in the second round. Uh, didn't have a first round pick because you traded it for Mahomes. But I will say this, look, uh, fortunately, this is an area where, I don't, I don't want to say the Chiefs have a lot of great players, but they have a lot of notable players. You have guys like Emmanuel Agba, you have Tano Passigno, you, maybe you keep Robert McCray at this point, if you feel like he is, if he, especially if he has a good preseason game against the Packers. So, uh, not ideal to lose Breland Speaks, but at the same time, uh, you do have some some solid options right there i'll say that yeah it definitely provides some flexibility and it honestly i think it makes it much easier like i mean now brett veach and andy reed or you know i guess in this case steve spagnolo especially you know they don't have to make the hard decision of having to cut one of these guys now just because you know you put speaks on the ir and then boom there you go that's one less guy you have to put on the 53 which means one more guy that you can keep that you'd rather not have to cut now speaking of the ir uh Talking about the Chiefs signing backup quarterback Matt Moore coming out of retirement. Now, real quickly, I do want to follow up on this because I did not see any reports of this, but Chad Henney's not on IR yet, is he? I have not seen that he is, but I guess I just kind of, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that he wasn't until you just mentioned it. I just assumed okay. that with a busted ankle, like, yeah, there you go, IR. Well, let me say this, because... The 53-man roster cuts don't have to happen now. I think this weekend when they do that on Saturday, uh, I think that is when we might start seeing players placed on IR. Because I don't think Breland Speaks has been placed on IR yet either, unless I'm completely mistaken on that. But official IR placements will come out for sure during the roster cuts. So we may not be seeing it right now, but give it a couple of days. We'll know for sure if these guys are going to be placed on IR or not. Um... Uh, again, another reason why Chad Henney has not placed on IR, the corresponding move to get uh, Matt Moore 
is John Lovett, the fullback slash tight end. He was actually placed on IR, but either way, we'll see for sure this Saturday. But anyway, uh, Chad Henney reports came out earlier this week that he had fractured his ankle, and therefore the Chiefs signed Matt Moore coming out of retirement. Uh, funny story, the Chiefs were actually interested in both Moore and Henney last offseason. They eventually have, now have ended up with both of them. Uh, Henny and Moore were coincidentally teammates in Miami in 2011, in which that was Moore's first year with the Dolphins, which was also Henny's final year with the Dolphins. Henny started the first four games, got hurt. Moore started the remaining 12 games. Moore threw 16 touchdowns and 9 picks that year under Tony Sperano. Remember that name? Tony Sperano, baby. Yeah, man. With the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he actually ended up getting fired that year in December, and Todd Bowles took over to finish the season for the Dolphins. And in Moore's career overall, he's thrown 45 touchdowns, 36 picks. Compared to Henny, he has 58 touchdowns and 63 picks. So Henny has slightly more picks than touchdowns, whereas for Moore, it's the opposite, where he has a little bit more touchdown passes than interceptions. By the way, as far as age and experience goes, it's nearly identical. Moore turned 35 this month. Henny turned 34 last month. Henny played 12 seasons, which was one more than Moore, but Moore was retired last season. So uh, it would be the same amount if Matt Moore kept playing last year. As far as his career overall, Moore was with the Panthers from 2007 through 2010, with the Dolphins from 2011 through 2017. His record as a, as a starter, 15-15. and 15. The year he replaced Henny in 2011 with that injury, he went 6-6 six and six that year. So, Chad Henney, a lot of people uh, obviously not really focus on this too much, but I was kind of wondering if Shermer was maybe going to challenge for that number two spot because I think he's done some interesting things in the preseason. Maybe nothing too great, but uh, perhaps maybe you could have saved a little bit of money. But no, instead um, you have this injury with Chad Henney, and here you have it. Matt Moore gets uh, picked up by the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, like, it comes down to the fact that, you know, is Chad Henney that much better of a quarterback than Matt Moore? Frankly, I don't know. Uh, and regardless, I, I kind of don't care. Because this isn't like, you know, the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles sort of situation where you have, you know, one of the best backups in the league, right? Like, you have, like, no one in the league could step in as a backup and be able to replace Patrick Mahomes if he goes down. So, like, it's kind of a moot point arguing which backup is better because, Bottom line, if we have to get to the point where we're discussing which backup is better, we're already screwed. So, I mean, you know, it's nice to have. Um, I think that, you know, it certainly seems like he's a, uh, you know, a little bit more conservative of a passer, you know, almost like an Alex Smith. It seems like he takes pretty good care of the ball. Um, it's been a while since I've watched him play, I'll be honest there. But I think that, you know, if he has, you know, a little bit of a mediating effect on Mahomes the way that Alex Smith did, you know, just encouraging him maybe not to take every risk in the book. Um I see no reason why that, you know, wouldn't be a nice asset to have in the quarterback room. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And by the way, I know we'll get into Andrew Luck in a moment, but given how quick the Chiefs were to make this move, do you think part of it was, hey, the Colts just lost their star quarterback. Let's quickly get this back up, uh, you know, because he could easily be contacted by the Colts at this point because uh, the Chiefs were pretty quick to make that move. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if that was the case, though it also, you know, could just as easily be explained by the fact that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, we were looking at both Moore and Henny when we signed Henny. You know, if we already had that level of rapport uh, with Moore and his agent and all we had to do was make the call, that could easily be as well. I mean, think about it, man. If you were a backup quarterback who was retired last year and you're getting offered, you know, the veteran minimum to come hold the clipboard for Mahomes, I think I'd probably do that. 
if I was in his shoes, like, you know, cash the paycheck, no pressure whatsoever. Um, and you get to work with a you know generational talent. Oh, and also work with Andy Reid, who has proven. And you might you might get a Super Bowl ring out of all of this too. That was I was getting there absolutely, man. And so I think like it's a no brainer on that side. Like you know you want to slide into the Colts and get you know absolutely pounded the way Andrew Luck did, or do you want to just have this pretty posh you know I mean not quite armchair quarterback but pretty darn close <laughs> gig here in Kansas City. So there you have it, Matt Moore now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, now it's reported that Matt Moore will not play in uh, Thursday's game against the Packers. So, and by the way, I don't think Mahomes is going to play. By the way, I mentioned this. I don't think you were on the podcast, but I mentioned I'm going to keep track to see how the Patriots handle Tom Brady. Because how they handle him, you know, I'm kind of wondering if the Chiefs do it with Mahomes one day. Tom Brady did not play in the first two preseason games. And look, rightfully so. Uh, look at Patrick Mahomes. He did play in the first couple of games, not as long as we had thought. And by the way, same with the third game. Uh, that dress rehearsal was a shorter dress rehearsal for a lot of teams this year. Which, look, no argument for me, man. Uh, I know we want some interest in these games. But at the same time, in the long run, we care more about the long run uh, success and safety for these players, for sure. But... Um, Basically, I mean, the point that I'm trying to get at here is in future preseason games, which I know is not the most thrilling subject to discuss right now, but do you even care to see Patrick Mahomes in any of these games? Maybe one or two games, but no more than two because it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, pretty much the way I look at that is, I mean, I think this is probably the way the Patriots fans look at Brady. I could be wrong here, but realistically, like, you know, if I'm Andy Reid in this case, you know, Obviously, you see what he does in practice. You want to make sure that he's in enough rhythm, uh, you know, for the ability to start the season, you know, really with the uh, pedal to the metal, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, once he feels comfortable and like he's at that point, like you, at that point, you just kind of have to read your quarterback and you have that conversation where it's like, all right, you feeling good? You feeling good enough to, uh, you know, just kind of pop a squat the rest of the time and not get hurt? Cool. Then we'll do that. Like, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if not only do you only see him in one or two games, like, you know. I wouldn't be shocked if you see him in, you know, three series max in coming years. So I think that that's probably the most responsible way to handle it because, you know, there's nothing dumber than putting your franchise quarterback MVP, like, you know, generational talent that we have here that we've never had here in Kansas City before. You don't want to have that guy out on the line for a meaningless preseason game. You just don't. I, I know we get so hyped when we finally hear that the Chiefs are playing on a preseason game. Every fan base does, but... Then once the game gets going, you do lose interest, especially if your players haven't been doing much, which, uh, you know, for a majority of the Chiefs, uh, Chief preseason games, we haven't seen a lot of action from these backups in the second half. It was mostly just that Bengals game where we saw it. So, yeah, it gets boring, but you know what? Uh, Come regular season time, it'll be worth the wait if you don't see much of your starters, and that's kind of what we should start expecting, I think. Uh, Especially when you got, you know, a star tight end, a star receiver, a star quarterback, you got to protect these guys, and... You just have a bullseye on your back when you're on top of everyone else, man. You just do. Uh, you may not yeah. like it, but that's just the way it works. Brady has a big bullseye on his back. Uh, I mean, you don't. I was just talking about this uh, last podcast, Zach. Yeah, you covered uh, it real well. Yeah, I mean, look, people are gonna, you know, come at you ten percent harder because 
they won't want that glory in that moment to dethrone you. That's just the way it works. And we got to, you and I are both KU fans. We yeah. know, I mean, no one cares about us during football season. I mean, we're like a walk in the park. Hey, man. But for basketball, we got, we got less miles now. Let's, let's slow your roll we'll there, see. Fars. We'll see. But for basketball season, look, anytime. You are playing KU, especially if you're uh, not in the Big 12. I mean, obviously you play everyone in your conference, but for non-Big 12 teams, that's a game you circle on your schedule because you're excited to go play at Fog Allen or you're excited to play host to this legendary Jayhawks team. And hopefully you come up with that big win and the Chiefs are going to become that team like the Yankees, like the Patriots, those big name teams that everyone wants to dethrone and, and beat. Absolutely. I mean, like the Jayhawks analogy, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, you know, you get everybody's best shot every night. And so, you know, if the Chiefs really do make it to the point where, you know, they're competing for a Super Bowl, they have absolutely earned that without a shred of doubt. All right, Chiefs and Packers play Thursday. Uh, that is going to be, uh, I wrote on here, 8 o'clock Central Time. I, that cannot be right. It might be uh, right. It's pretty late. Uh, let me double check on that real quickly. But nonetheless, the Chiefs and Packers do play uh, that is 7 o'clock. I don't know why I wrote 8 on our rundown here, but that's okay. Uh, so that is a 7 o'clock kickoff game. Uh, okay, this is obviously not the most exciting game. Not a lot of people are going to watch. Not a lot of people are going to be at the stadium. So let me ask you this, Zach. Who are you expecting to make... Uh, wh- wh- which players do you expect to make a big push in this final game? I know there are a couple of candidates. Give me one or two players who you really think can make a strong push in this game. I mean, I think to the extent that the quarterback play enables them to do so, I wouldn't be shocked to see Byron Pringle and Cody Thompson both competing for kind of that you know last receiver spot. Um, I, I would like to see them both you know show out pretty well. I mean, really pick a corner. I still have yet to see anything that's been you know comforting. I guess at the cornerback position so far. Uh, so I mean, really, you know, if you have any number of those guys that we have at the cornerback position, if they you know show up and look like they're doing pretty well. I don't know if Morris Claiborne's going to play. I would obviously like to see him uh, make a push just because, I mean, correct me if I I'm wrong. I think he will. I don't know if he played in the last game but because I obviously missed it. He did a little bit. Um, but I'd like to see you know how he looks uh, in a little bit more of an extended look if possible. Um, but, yeah, ultimately I think that it comes down to that, Leo. You got a lot of competition at depth. Uh, you know, for depth at the receiver spot. And then, uh, you know, competition – all across the board for the cornerback spot just because we don't have much there. So um, the other thing is, like, I'd like to see Colin Saunders, you know, really look like the absolute disruptive force that uh, he certainly did in college. I'd like to see him, you know, start to put the pieces together because I think he's absolutely got the physical tools needed uh, to be a successful interior pass rusher in the NFL. And I'd like to see him put it on a little bit of a show if possible. I know I said that last week, but I stand behind it because I still haven't seen the show and I want to see the show. I really want to say Blake Bell. Like, I was really excited for that uh, offseason acquisition. But, man, uh, I don't know if I like him. But at the same time, what backup tight end do you, are, are you really excited to keep on your football team? I, I, I'm i starting to wonder. So here's how this works. This Saturday at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, your roster needs to be at 53. You're going to have your uh, players on IR, and you'll also have your practice squad. Now, the practice squad players might not be announced right away. But um, some teams will have those ready. Uh, Then, after the first wave of cuts, which will take place Saturday, there are going to be some surprise cuts from other NFL teams, and I think the Chiefs are going to keep a really close eye to see which tight ends were let go. Because, 
you're not seeing a lot of um, you're not seeing a lot of positivity from these tight ends. Like I said, Blake Bell very disappointing. Uh, Dion Yelder, I guess, might be your best preseason tight end, and even then, is he the guy you want behind Kelsey? Because, and I know Demetrius Harris was not a great tight end, a great backup tight end, I should say, but he was still used quite a lot in this offense when Alex Smith was here in Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes used him quite a bit as well. So you know, whoever your number two tight end is going to be, he's going to see a lot of significant action uh, this season with the Chiefs. Uh, even with all the weapons you have on, at wide receivers, you still need a number two tight end. So. I'm hoping someone makes a push, but I'm not expecting it. As far as receivers go, yeah, I want to see something from Byron Pringle. He had a big preseason game last year in Week 4 against the same team, the Packers. So we'll see if he can do something this year because we haven't seen much of him. I know a lot's been uh, mentioned about him staying healthy, trying to come back from that injury. So we'll see. But, man, I I also want to see a linebacker step up. We haven't seen that. By the way, Zach, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I can't remember. Someone from Arrowhead probably tweeted this. But according to Pro Football Focus, the Chiefs have the best tackling rating out of anyone in the NFL this preseason. And it, there's a big gap between number one and number two, which, look, it, I'll admit I don't pay very close attention in these preseason games. A lot of us don't, but I was kind of surprised to hear that stat. And look, I know it's the preseason, but given our uh, our tackling abilities last year, I will take that. I will definitely take that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, you know, that, that can only be an encouraging sign. Uh, with as abysmal as we've seen, you know, I remember, you know, wondering, you know, questioning aloud to myself if Bob Sutton actually taught these guys to tackle at all. I mean, it looked like, you know, when Bob Sutton was around, it was a lot of, uh, I'm going to throw my shoulder at you. And if you don't go down, well, bummer. Uh, so certainly refreshing to hear something like that. Yeah. Uh, I am trying to look, look it up right now on Twitter. Um, yeah, I can't seem to find it. I thought I retweeted it somewhere, but I guess I didn't. Uh, I'll try to post it on Facebook if I do find it. Uh, that way I can have that number. I was kind of surprised to see that. Uh, I really was. And again, uh, I just... Uh, you got to have better tackling. I, I think what the Chiefs did a great job of last year, they did a really good job of closing in on ball carriers, but as far as trying to bring them down... That was the issue right there. So hopefully the Chiefs yeah, have found didn't a way. Them up. Yeah, hopefully they can find a way to improve in that area. Um, but nonetheless, we'll see what happens this weekend. And again, a reminder: the fifty-three man roster cut. That is uh, the deadline is Saturday at three o'clock. So sometime Saturday evening, you'll see all the rosters officially announced across the NFL. Um, and then that'll just be the first wave of cuts. There will be a second wave, and you'll see the Chiefs maybe follow up and uh, have a couple of players they'll let go after that. By the way, before we move on to Andrew Luck, are you a fan of Bar Rescue with John Taffer? Yeah, yeah, I remember watching that show. It's been a while, I, but I enjoyed it. Well, check it out if you can this weekend on Paramount's website, or if it, I, someone mentioned on Daily Motion, you can watch the episodes for free. So you know how John Taffer, uh, you know, he's in the vehicle and then he sends, you know, a friend or two to go out and uh, you know right. try some drinks and food. So just recently he had, I think it was Andrew Wiley and Mitchell Schwartz on, uh, really? on Bar Rescue. Yeah, I, I, I watched the preview on YouTube. And Is I it one it on that's Facebook. like in Kansas City too? I don't, I don't think it's in Kansas City. It's somewhere in Missouri. It's funny because when John Taffer walks into the bar... You can see that little uh, vending machine that has like the Missouri lottery tickets that you can buy. So yeah. it's in the state of Missouri somewhere. 
Um, but it is kind of funny just to see the preview. I have not seen the episode yet. I really want to. I'll probably do that after I, uh, we finish recording this. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Andrew Wiley and All right. Mitchell Schwartz. They were on Bar Rescue. Um, did you, by the way, see uh, – do you ever watch Bar, uh, Dave Portnoy's uh, pizza reviews on Barstool Sports? Nope. Okay. So he does all these comical pizza reviews. Uh, they're pretty funny, even though Portnoy himself, he can be a toolbox. But uh, <laughs> P- P- Portnoy's like been – yeah, uh, Portnoy's been well known. I mean, there are other words I'd love to use, but uh, I digress. I like that toolbox. That's uh, uh, Portnoy, he's good friends with John Taffer. So John Taffer mm. teamed up with Portnoy and Portnoy's cameraman, and they had his cameraman go into the sports bar, which they make a lot of pizzas, and he had the cameraman order one medium size of every single pizza, <laughs> in which in which the uh, chef threw a big fit about it and was calling him you know all sorts of names. Which, look, you know, John Taffer went in there and was like, dude, you're running a business. You need to be thankful for this. And uh, it got to the point they were like, dude, we're afraid you're going to run away. So we're going to have you prepay for your pizza before we bring it out to you, which was kind of comical. I, I, re- I know that That's show can funny. be a little staged. I don't know if you know how this works. He did no, an I'm interview sure it's on, staged. He did an interview on Luke Thomas where they tell them that they're coming and they place the camera. So they might say they're coming on a Thursday, but they'll record you for a couple of days. But mm-hmm. they try to trick you, and they show up a little sooner than they expect. So I guess that's the reality of it. But yeah, sure, a lot of it's staged. But hey, it's all entertainment. That's uh, what it is. But I almost forgot about that. I did not put that on the rundown. And I just thought I was, I was scrolling through my uh, Twitter timeline. But yeah, check out Bar... St- or, what am I saying? Uh, Bar Rescue. If, uh, if you haven't watched the most recent episode, Mitchell Schwartz and Andrew Wiley are on it. All right, uh, let's move on here because this is a topic that I am angry about. I know you are also a little angry about some of the reaction from this, and it has to do with Andrew Luck's retirement. Let me just say something here. Uh, Real quickly, Zach, have you ever played sports competitively, and what's the highest level of of sports you've played? I mean, like, I topped out at high school football, so. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't played sports a whole lot. Uh, played in middle school. I was not good enough in high school to stay on the team, so I got cut in those in tryouts. Um, but look, I, I did suffer a torn ACL injury, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, you know, there's a really silly non-written rule from fans where if a player can walk, they can play. And I don't know where that comes from. Because, yeah, sure, a lot of people can walk. But you don't know. I mean, these are also athletes here. They're in great physical. They're in great physical shape, so maybe they're able to take an injury a little bit better than the average person can. But at the same time, it is painful as hell. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I never criticize players with injuries, and when I tore my ACL and meniscus and went through the surgery and all that, I definitely had a much better understanding and appreciation for what athletes go through. And look, I'm not saying let's feel bad for athletes. They're making a lot of money doing what they're doing. But at the end of I mean, the day... some of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, even though it's making six figures, still more than the average person. But let me just speak clear on this, because there are so many people out there that want to criticize these players for being wimps and such. Zach, do you, in the UFC business, in the MMA business... So many fighters will call out other fighters, and if that fighter declines or is not interested, fans start going on social media saying they're scared, or they use the five-letter P word, and they start calling them that. Uh, and it's like, really? You're I, going to say that about a UFC fighter? Like, that could absolutely drop you. 
Yes, exactly. So it's like, look, let's let's relax a little bit. If you have never sustained any of these kinds of serious injuries, you do not understand what these guys go through physically and the physical toll, even mental and emotional toll it takes on these guys. Um, it can be challenging. And this whole Andrew Luck situation here, it has really thrown a wrench at this topic. I mean, the the story has just gone out of control to people losing their minds. Colts fans are angry. They booed him as he was walking off the field. Uh, fantasy football owners are pissed off because God knows fantasy football is such an important thing nowadays. People are really losing what what the important thing is in life here. And it's this guy who has gone through so many injuries. Let me quickly read you some of the injuries so this was from Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. Covers the Colts. Uh, he tweeted, he wrote, Physical toll on Andrew Luck through six NFL seasons. Torn cartilage in two ribs. Partially torn abdomen. A lacerated kidney that left him peeing blood. Uh, at least one concussion. A torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. And this mysterious calf slash ankle issue that has led to his retirement. Do you know, Andrew Luck's a physically gifted guy. Not even he could withstand this. And here we are, people criticizing him. Doc Gottlieb with the dumbest tweet ever saying that it's a millennial thing to not go through rehab and it's too tough. It's like, grow it's like, up. Shut up, Doug. Go steal someone's credit cards. Yeah, but by the way, his excuse for that, for that was ridiculous, saying that he answered for that years ago. It's like, dude, you criticize someone personally on this level, it's only fair game if someone does it to you, regardless how ancient that moment was. But regardless, this is... A guy's life. He doesn't want to end up physically paralyzed because he keeps pushing himself. Trust me, Andrew Luck wants to keep playing football. He's leaving behind $58 million, but I think people are just losing the big picture in all of this, Zach. It's the guy's body, and that is more important for him right now than playing football. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, especially Andrew Luck, uniquely, I mean, there's plenty of players who are sons of former players, but... You know, I think that, you know, Andrew Luck realistically has the opportunity to look at his dad and his quality of life. Um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, great or not so great as far as, you know, the toll that the NFL took on Oliver Luck, Andrew's dad. But like it or not, like Andrew Luck has always been, you know, the sort of player who recognized that football wasn't the end all be all. And I know that sometimes for fans that just pisses them off. And I'm here to say, you know, at this particular point, the fact that people get pissed off by that pisses me off because uh, these guys are you know they're human beings too like yes I enjoy watching them play on Sundays as much as you do and I understand that but you know what it's not you know it's not my place to say like hey you should go take this beating for my amusement because that's effectively what these fans are saying uh, you know and don't even get me started on the fantasy football owners because don't get me wrong I'm as competitive as anybody else when it comes to my fantasy league like uh, it's been a while since I've you know tasted tasted victory there i've lost a lot of playoff games in my time uh but i'm as competitive as anybody but you know what there's nothing about that that you know leads me to be able to say like you know what you sir who have a wife and i believe a family uh, you know I, I expect you to come out here and play for my virtual fantasy benefit they and, care about know, themselves take the more. very real physical beating like it's absolutely ridiculous so yeah, I, I think it's absolutely just inexcusable the way that people have responded here. Um, because like it or not, man, like, I mean, yeah, the timing of it wasn't great. 
I'll give him that. But the other part about this that you know needs to be mentioned is that he he was planning part of the reason that he had you know some remarks prepared was because that was supposed to take place. He was supposed to tell the tell the team uh, Saturday night after the game, and then he was going to have a presser on Sunday afternoon. Evidently, someone caught wind of it, and it got to Schefter, and it got tweeted out. Uh, and so everybody, and whoever is able that to see person is, absolutely sucks for doing that. By the way, too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's that's not really particularly forgivable, man. Like that's that's not cool. I mean, I can't blame Schefter for it. It's his job. If he gets the scoop, he's oh, got to run 100%. with it. Understand. I agree with you. Yep. But like, come on, man. You know, let the man have his moment. Um, instead of you know, I mean, realistically, like whatever staffer is responsible for that, you know. I hope you can sleep well at night knowing the fact that you got a man booed when he could have walked out with dignity and pride. So yeah. I hope you're proud. That, I mean, I was just blown away. Let me just be clear. Look, Schefter is not going to sit on the biggest story of the year. Uh, regardless, I mean, unless something crazy happens this year. But uh, if Schefter has this information, and if Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, or if Jay Glazer of Fox, if they also pick up on this story, and if they publish it first, when Schefter had that information, guess what? Schefter is going to answer to his bosses over at ESPN. And that's never anything you want to do. So yeah, I agree with you. You do not blame Schefter on this. Hey, look, I get it. People in the media, they, they sometimes do have this bad guy role. They're not supposed to think of you personally. They're supposed to report information as soon as they have it. That is a job of a journalist. The, as you said, the source, I mean, you suck, whoever you are. Uh, you do not blindside them like that. Um, these players don't have their smartphones with them. So when they're getting this information at a very awkward moment during the game, I mean, that's that's unfair to them. Again, I, I don't I don't have a lot of sympathy for athletes because they're making a lot of money. But at the same time, yeah, look, th- there's also a time and place for everything too. Uh, I'll give Andrew Luck credit though, man. He did have a um, he did have a speech ready uh, right after that game. He was ready to go. Uh, and you know what? So I, I, he's had a great career. I mean, obviously, like it could have been Hall of Fame caliber, and I think that that's where people get a little upset is the fact that you know he had so much potential coming in. Like I was absolutely you know there on the suck for luck campaign. Yeah, when the Chiefs could have had the opportunity. I to made the him. Facebook page for that, and I got Nick Wright to retweet it. I just want to uh, brag about that. I didn't know. I did not know that was you, but I very much appreciate it because um, I mean, we we were all on board for that. It would have been an awesome thing to see. Um, I mean, now hindsight being twenty twenty, today obviously you know that's not necessarily the case. But man, like he had more talent than he knew what to do with. But the other thing is, is like he was incredibly smart. And I know that there are some NFL teams out there. I mean, this is part of the reason that Josh Rosen fell in the draft last year. He has interests outside of football, which, honestly, I think that's healthy. Um, that's my personal opinion on that. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous the way that people are barbecuing him for you know having other options with his life uh, that he doesn't absolutely have to you know, continue playing football and taking the physical beating. Though the one thing I did want to hit on, you mentioned, you know, you, you kind of got the uh, – the count of all the things that he uh, suffered from Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. Yeah. If you guys subscribe to The Athletic, do yourself a favor and go read this piece because it absolutely contextualizes, you know, what the guy went through. And also, you know, while we've you know already uh, harped on the staffer who released the news to, you know, Adam Schefter and other media outlets, uh, another person that bears a significant amount of blame here is Ryan Grigson, the former Colts GM who, 
Chris Ballard took over for. I mean, you this guy essentially never put you know he, you could have taken five turnstiles from the outside of the stadium for the first couple of years of Luck's career, and he would have had more time uh, if you forced you know each defensive lineman to get through those first. Uh, so I think it absolutely bears mentioning that they bear some culpability here too. Let me just say this. Everyone's complaining about the timing. Look, do you think Andrew Luck really came into the season and said, man, I want to retire right in week three of the preseason during a game? No, of course not. Um, Look, man, injuries don't have this timetable convenience that they go along with. And I'm saying this like injuries are a live thing. Like, I mean, bad luck, no pun intended. Bad luck just happens whenever it wants to happen. It just does. I mean, it's not, it's not fun it's not good but that's the way it works sometimes of course it's not convenient um but think about this too at the same time think about when players uh have been released when it's been least convenient I, do you remember when terrell Pryor was on the team during the offseason before he yeah. switched to a wide receiver yeah so terrell Pryor, when he was with the chiefs he put out a tweet saying hey great day of practice and he posted some photo on social media and i think he was doing a charity event and then a day later he gets cut by the chiefs it's like Obviously, that's really weird, given the the tweet he just gave out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ron Parker. Now, not that anyone was a big Ron Parker fan, but he got released right before the AFC Championship game for uh, Laurent DuVernay-Tardif to be reactivated to the 53-man roster. So, look, uh, it, it works both ways sometimes, man. And I get Andrew Luck is a way bigger player than the players who teams end up releasing in these odd times, but... Uh, again, it's bad luck. It's it's never intended. Trust me, I'm sure Andrew Luck would have loved to have done this on a much better timetable, but unfortunately, the injuries that took a toll on him, they started building up at a very inconvenient time, and that's just er, inconvenient time, excuse me, and that's just uh, how it came out sometimes. Last thing on this, these are unconfirmed reports. I do want to be clear, but people that have blue verified check marks, people who are part of the media for what that is worth to you, they're discussing it as if this happened, but apparently somebody slashed Andrew Luck's tires as retaliation, which, look, you and I have covered this already, but it's just people being over-the-top sensitive over, look, we get excited for our teams, we were happy when the Royals won the World Series a few years ago here in this town, but look, this whether your team is doing great or not, it truly doesn't impact you personally, like, it really doesn't. Yeah, sure, it's your it's your team, they win a championship, it's your leisure activity, you have fun with it. But at the end of the day, you're not, this is not the end of the world. And it just sickens me that, again, these guys are humans too, but we don't seem to care about it sometimes. Just absolutely ridiculous. I hope those are, you know, bogus reports, but if it's I hope legit, so too. like, yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. Like, just recognize, guys, that these players are humans too. Like, I know that they, you know, go out there and they play a game that, you know, we all very much enjoy. But they're still humans, too, and it that can't be forgotten. Uh, let's move on here and talk about this. I don't have a whole lot to say about this, but uh, reports are coming out that the Royals uh, might be for sale soon. David Glass, the owner of the Royals, who a lot of people have wanted to sell this team, uh, reports coming out that he will be selling the team to John Sherman and the Kansas City Business Journal did a very interesting article on him a couple of years ago calling him a master entrepreneur. Um, just a little bit of his resume. 
He is a trustee of the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, a longtime advocate for Tech for America, or Teach for America, excuse me. Uh, also a uh, chairman of the Truman Library Institute and also sits on the board for the, uh, I don't know how you say this, the Tech? Uh, yeah, it's called Tech Excel. It's a Tech uh, Excel. local venture group okay. that spun out of, like, you know, it was formerly the KBA, the Kansas Bioscience Authority. Uh, but then it, you know, a lot of the executives there when the state decided to sell off those assets uh, when founded Tech Excel, which is a okay. bio and ag tech focused venture firm. So, with whom I interviewed at one point. That's why I know these things. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so that he's got quite a resume there. Can he own a baseball team? Can he own it? Well, at least time will tell on that one. The other uh, thing look, that it, it just to bears mentioning here, like all of those things that he's done, he has done since his initial career, which was building feral gas. Uh, which is one of the largest, like you know, natural gas producers. Like you know, when you use propane on your grill, for example, you know, if it's that blue rhino or whatever it is that you go and pick up. I uh, just picked up a couple for Labor Day weekend. Funny yeah, enough, that's that's Feral Gas, which is the company. Okay. That, uh, yeah, John helped to build. Oh, there you go. Uh, fun so there you there. go. The more you know. Um, look, the Royals were competitive in 2003, and then 2013, obviously. Great success in 2014 and 2015, winning in 2015, winning it all. And then they had back-to-back years of competitive seasons after the World Series win. Outside of that, a lot of terrible seasons. Yes, they do have those back-to-back World Series appearances, but still, uh, the, 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 the trophy's nice, but there are so many bad seasons that also go along with that. So a lot of Royals fans have been wanting... This team to be sold, especially again last year, the team lost 104 games, sec- tied for second worst. I suppose fans are getting their wish. Now, my only question is, this new owner, Sherman, possibly coming in, Sherman, uh, what's his plans as far as relocating the team in Kansas City? A lot of people are talking about moving downtown. People are talking about this like it's simple and you can just do it, but there are going to be so many tax dollars for that too. And Look, I don't, I don't know realistically where downtown you could go, and I, that's a topic for another day, but um, I don't really have a whole lot to say other than the fact that fans are ultimately getting their long-time wish and that David Glass would sell the team. Yeah, and I mean, I, was, I have absolutely been in that camp before of those who were just frustrated by you know what is very easily perceived, in in some cases unfairly so, but most of the time it's certainly warranted. Um, I mean, it's been a little bit better in the Dayton Moore era, but especially at the very beginning, you know, when I was growing up as a baseball fan, for example, like, so, you know, 2000s, early 2000s, especially, you know, 2003, we had a great year. The next year we were, you know, looking pretty good as well, but then you, you know, sold Carl, Carlos Beltran off to the highest bidder. And like the number of times where, you know, I remember growing up, you know, kind of joking with my dad as we're sitting in the stands for these games that really like, we're like a quadruple a team. Like we're a major league farm system. You know, we're there for like the guys who are the best on our team to go and play for the Yankees or someone else. And you just get sick of that as a fan. And I definitely, you know, David Glass absolutely bears complete blame for some of those things uh, in the way that those decisions were made. Now, flip side of that, he also hired Dayton Moore and gave him at least enough leeway to be able to build a championship team. So that can't, be you know understated either um you know he did seem to at least see the error of his ways and i think that you know the fact that he wasn't necessarily particularly vocal about most things uh you know it's pretty easy to put words in his mouth as a result um and so while it might not be the most fair thing in the world to say that he was absolutely you know running it as you know cheap 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 david glass you know uh you know walmart baseball coming into kansas city but 
you know, there were enough years of that that I can understand where the fans are coming from. But ultimately, whether this is a good or bad thing remains to be seen. And it all comes down to what the new owner really does, you know, look like how they operate and what they do. Because I don't see any reason that Kansas City couldn't have a you know consistently competitive baseball team. Like, we can have both competitive at the major leagues and a strong farm system. Like, there are plenty of other teams out there that do it. Uh, and especially as we're negotiating a new TV deal, you know, I think that it's absolutely worth, you know, a little bit of deficit spending in the near term to, you know, get the TV deal in place to, uh, you know, effectively boost the payroll. That was something that I thought should have happened after the uh, World Series runs. Like, you know, instead of letting everybody go, you pay a little bit uh, and instead of going into full on tank mode, uh, you know, you pay a little bit to at least have a competitive product on the field. Um, so, sorry, that was a bit of a ramble, but... You know, I think on the whole, I'm certainly encouraged by the prospect of David Glass selling the team. Just hoping that, you know, there, there's always that old phrase, right? You know, the devil that you know sometimes is better than the devil you don't. And as Kansas City fans, we better hope that that, you know, old maxim does not ring true in this case. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And at Z. Stacking on 913-808-2119. Okay, uh... I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I know you're not a big UFC fan like I am, but the UFC has a, a pretty big uh, up pay-per-view that's coming up. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, and it's going to be in Dubai. Uh, or excuse me, not Dubai. Um, uh, gosh. Abu Dhabi. Uh, Abu Dhabi, yeah. Thank you. You know more than I do, obviously. No, I was just taking um, a guess. Uh, yeah, that's where it's going to be. And uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, who beat Conor McGregor, he is going to be defending his lightweight belt, and... So they that's the guy a, who McGregor threw a chair through the bus. Yes, he was right. he was targeting him. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Habib and Dustin Poirier, his opponent, they were setting them up for a teleconference. This is very common in MMA, especially you know a week and a half away for upcoming fights. So the UFC sends out an email to the MMA media and trying to give them the phone number to um, to uh, to the media, so they can call in for the teleconference. Mm-hmm. Teleconferences are, are sometimes common in sports. Uh, Zach, I asked you at the beginning of the podcast, what is the most egregious error you have you can think of that a sports team has done? Is there one that comes to you off the top of your head? Not really. I'm sure if I did a little bit of thinking and like digging in on some of those things, I'd be able to come up with something. But none that come immediately to mind. Okay, well, the UFC will top whatever you could come up with because. When they gave out the phone number, they gave a phone number to a sex hotline. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like, no, that's MMA, too stupid to make up. MMA reporters were confused as hell as to what was going on when they called in. I, I'm kind of curious. Like, real how, question how, is, did they get charged? That is a fantastic <laughs> question. I think that also deserves a headline of its own. Um Sorry, that's that's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Oh no, it's hilarious! It's absolutely hilarious. But it's like, how do you mess that up? Like, how I mean, does that error especially happen? Especially to, I mean, like to to have it turn into something like that to mess up the uh, dial in for a conference line, or in this case, a teleconference, whatever. Yeah, you know, to mess up the dial in like that happens. Like, guess what? We're all humans. Sometimes we mistype things and we hit the wrong buttons. But to have that be what ended up being posted is just that takes it to a whole new level of hysterical like you know you couldn't like i said earlier you can't make that up like uh, that makes me almost wonder if it wasn't deliberate because like that's 
I mean, that's either the most hilarious coincidence ever or someone just got away with a great joke. Well, it can't be the interns because summer's over and all these interns are now going home for their school years unless they already hired their fall intern. I mean, I don't know. It's like, you can't blame the intern on this one. Maybe the last ride of the summer interns was to put this thing out there. That'd be pretty funny. Like, the greatest intern prank ever. If you had a rough summer and didn't enjoy it, you hit them with something like that. That'd be pretty great. Your 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 professor who gave you this internship is getting on your ass because of whatever reason and wants you to do something to ha- finish well and you just don't care so you do that yeah uh, that's a possibility I suppose yeah, um, I suppose probably not but yeah you know. yeah uh, that's that's horrible man um, it's really funny though yeah that's uh, that happened that definitely happened uh, let us know. If you can think of an egregious error by a team, please let us know. You know the social media. You know the number. Let us know. Uh, speaking of the number, uh, Zach, we got a couple of texts to read. Let's go ahead and get those out of the way. Uh, from the 270, and by the way, 913-808-2119. You can leave a voicemail, text us. From the 270, uh, this is from Jeremy in Kentucky. Love the podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, the decision made by Andrew Luck was mind-blowing, especially considering he replaced Peyton Manning. He took Peyton Manning's spot. Um, by the way, he also mentions the rumor about Carlos Hyde going to Houston is interesting. Um, I, I, I've depends heard a little bit about what? that. Yeah, it definitely depends on what you're getting in return. But given that the uh, uh, Texans just recently lost a running back, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, I can definitely see that as a possibility. As far as the whole uh, Peyton Manning thing, yeah, we didn't talk about that. I think the most frustrating part for Colts fans is you lose Peyton Manning, you had the worst season in the NFL in 2011, and you quickly turn that around with Andrew Luck. But look, you still have had so much more success than most teams. Look, you've had good luck at the quarterback position. I'm sure you'll find the next Peyton Manning or the next Andrew Luck real soon. I, I Like, just give it a year. It happens. Some teams are bad for several years. So Colts fans will live. They'll live. I You can go ahead and put me down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think this is happening. I've not even seen rumors that this is the case. But I would honestly love to see Josh Rosen make it from Miami up to Indianapolis. Not, I mean, don't get me wrong. It might not be the greatest thing for the Chiefs, but I think, like, yeah, just genuinely wanting to see, you know, athletes, especially someone who's underrated like Josh Rosen has been, you know, you'd like to see the kid succeed. Um, you know, I think he could do very well in Indianapolis. It'd be interesting to see how this uh, shakes out after the year of Jacoby Brissett. All right. Our next text comes from Michael in North Carolina. Would you trade for Jadavian Clowney and who or what would you trade um, uh, that's, that's a hard one. Uh, I don't know if I, given that you're basically a championship football team right now, you definitely don't want to trade any of your players. So it would have to, you would, it would be more ideal to trade draft picks to get him. But even then, is that something Houston would be willing to accept is the other option here? Now I'll admit, I don't know exactly what the conflict is with Jadavian Clowney and the Texans. I have not followed that story as, as close, but Maybe the Texans are going to say, hey, look, if you want him, you got to pay a hefty price, and they're probably going to want a pro bowler uh, to come over in this trade. Maybe you trade, have a player-player trade. Not sure. Um, I would not trade anything more than draft picks, especially given that you have a Super Bowl potential team right now. Yeah, I think I'm with you in terms of not rocking the boat. But it, again, as with any trade in you know, hypothetical trade talk, it ultimately comes down to price. Like, I mean, if you told me we could swap you know, our first round pick next year for Jadavian Clowney, even if it's just a year's rental of him. I mean, like, yeah, I'd probably be down for that. 
you put him in for Alex Okafor's spot, like, yeah, you got Jadavia, Clowney, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones coming at you. Have fun with that. The, uh, the hard part is I don't think teams would do that because if you do trade a first-round pick, you, you want to keep that player around for a while. That's why the Chiefs immediately extended Frank Clark because they gave up a first-rounder and a second-rounder from a different season uh, to, 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 to make that move, essentially. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, you're probably right on that because I think I'd rather have the first-round pick. But I don't know. I mean, if the price was right, obviously, like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see something like this happen. But I just am not, you know, as I'm thinking through, like, some of the things that you think about the Texans and what they need, I mean, like, unless you're looking to part with someone along the offensive line, maybe, um, which, like, you know, realistically, like, you know, if it was Eric Fisher for Jadavian Clowney, I'm not doing that at all just because we got to protect Mahomes. Like, that's just a fact. You know, that's the biggest hole on the Texans, and, like, you know, wouldn't be shocked to see Deshaun Watson, you know, pulling Andrew Luck here in a couple of years because it looks like really the way that his first couple of years are uh, shaping up in the NFL, it's going to be a lot like Lux looked in that he has, you know, effectively turnstiles for an offensive line. Um, so, you know, if you were to look at that as a potential, you know, trade, I don't think I like that for the Chiefs, frankly. So it ultimately comes down to the return. All right. Uh, now, Michael did have an interesting comment. I'm going to actually save the other part of his text for the hot take segment. Let's uh, go to the 816. Uh, this is in response to our um, our list of places to visit in Kansas City. Mike in Lee Summit says, don't forget Shark Bar at Power and Light for places to visit. Are you, uh, are you a clubber? Are you, do you go clubbing often, Zach? I mean, occasionally. For me, it's, you know... I mean, this is where I may be a little too practical. I kind of just run that cost-benefit analysis in the back of my head. It's like, hmm, you know, I was, I mean, when I was in Kansas City, especially in, like, obviously even more so now in New York because New York's freaking expensive, you know, balling on a budget, man. Uh, so, I mean, not not a ton to to answer your question a little bit shorter. Well, uh, I'm not a but big But I've heard good clubbing. things about Shark Bar. Uh, yeah, Shark Bar is a good place. I've been there. Uh, but if uh, clubbing's your thing... Sure, yeah, I, I do like uh, the suggestion Mike from Lee Summit gave in, so definitely uh, take him up on that. I'm also uh, genuinely surprised we didn't get more texts telling us we missed this, we missed that, we missed the other thing, because yeah. we missed a lot of things. Uh, uh, I was surprised got, by the lack of response to that. If you want to text in or leave a voicemail, 913-808-2119. All right, uh, we are going to wrap up the podcast with just one of our uh segment hits that we normally do and it's our hot take segment where you go against conventional wisdom you have an opinion that goes against the grain everybody says one thing you go the other direction examples of hot takes one i bring up many times is you know i love going to the doctor's office i love sitting in traffic michael jordan is an overrated basketball player those are hot takes zach give me an example of a hot take just any hot take i mean Shoot, just like right off the top of my head. Tom I mean, Colin, Brady's an overrated player. Yeah, Colin Saunders is going to score more touchdowns than Darwin Thompson. There you go. There's uh, my hot take that's not going to age well. Uh, so there you have it. Those are some examples of uh, of hot takes. Uh, Zach, do you have a hot take for this episode? I do. I've been sitting on this one for a while. Because okay, it's almost college football season. What is... what is? Oh, so the theme is college football. Yeah. Okay. Mine is NFL related. Uh, I'm curious with yours. Go ahead with uh, with your uh, hot take. All right. So my hot take. I think this year my Jayhawks are going to start the season out five and zero, 
through TCU, uh, and then we're going to get smoked at Oklahoma because that's how that works. Uh, but you know, we'll start out five and zero and have the chance to go bowling by the end of the year. Hot take. Wow. Okay. Um. So what's your what's your season prediction for them? I mean, six and six. Or, oh, well, I guess that that includes a bowl game, so I guess then it would have to be okay. Yeah, okay. It would have that's... to be seven and six, I suppose. But all right, yeah. Why I, not? I, I can see that. Go ahead, defend yourself. How are the Jayhawks going to get there? I mean, I'm all in on Les Miles for one, and he's proven that he's able to win. You know, with kind of a ball control sort of offense. You know, just kind of absolutely pounding it down the throat. Uh, I mean, do I expect to see you know any sort of flashy offense? I do not. But do I think that you know the general Les Miles you know RPO sort of rushing attack? is going to be perfectly fine to win some games this year in the Big 12? I do. Uh, I don't necessarily think that we're going to light up scoreboards the way we did in, obviously, the Mangino recent years. But, you know, I think with Puka, uh, as well as, I mean, really, like, running back-wise, we've actually got some dudes back there. Um, I I think that, you know, we've got more players than we maybe give some credit for. And I think that, realistically, last year, I mean, last year's Kansas team could have been a five-win team if they just hadn't shot themselves in the foot so many times. Uh, And I think that, you know, that shooting yourself in the foot sort of stuff, that's the sort of thing that Les Miles comes in and cleans up right away. So, yeah, okay. there's my hot take that, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was way hotter when I first thought it up, and then Desmond Howard said something like it last week on ESPN, so maybe it's not as hot of a take because someone else already said it, but I stand by it. Well, there you have it. Uh, the Jayhawks going to be in a bowl game. I will certainly take that. Um, by the if way, it happens, uh, we're going. Let's uh, let's read the uh, text that I, the second half of Michael's text that I saved out of the three three six. He says the Broncos are going to go nine and seven and make the playoffs, and the Chargers are going to go six and ten and miss the playoffs. He might be the only person that is predicting a Chargers playoff miss. Hot take. My real question on this far is which of those two things do you think is the hotter take? Oh, the Broncos for sure. I w- I am more inclined to say that the Raiders could have a, a surprise season than the Broncos. I have no. I mean, I guess the Broncos making it would be a bigger surprise to me because the Raiders have a little bit of talent, but the Broncos. I mean, what are you really relying on right now? Uh, Joe, I don't Flacco. think there's anything. Yeah, Joe Flacco to be what Joe in Flacco that Flacco to Emmanuel Sanders, form? but also yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. I think Noah Fant's going to be a stud. Um, judging by the fact that he hasn't seemed to take off in this preseason yet, I'm starting to wonder if it's not going to take him a year. Um, but he's going to be a stud. You can take that part to the bank. Uh, it's just a question of does he have the quarterback who can get it to him. And, I mean, their defense is always strong. So, I mean, I, I think 9-7 and is a bit of a stretch, though. I think that's an 8-8 eight and eight team at best. If he said the Raiders will go 9-7, and seven, okay, maybe I can see that if – Derek Carr's in his 2016 form, connecting with Antonio Brown on these uh, in these games, maybe. Um, but even then, I think that's a bit of a stretch. But nonetheless, that is a hot take. Uh, so good on Michael for that one. I'll give you my hot take. Um, now it's not a scorcher of a hot take, uh, and I, by all means, I think this has already been determined before this week. But this week has to for sure. Put an put really put a rest to this topic, but Zach, it is time we stop talking about Colin Kaepernick making an NFL return. Hot now take. again, not the biggest hot take, but this week it has to solidify it because there are still a few people holding out hope. Listen, man, 
I, I, I'm not against what Kaepernick did it, with the voice he tried to speak out. I think maybe he could have done some things a little bit better. I mentioned that before. I'm not going to go over the details, but overall, uh, a lot of people are upset because Kaepernick's not getting a job offer. He's getting blackballed. Uh, I remember the Texans, before they drafted Deshaun Watson, I think it was the Texans, they lost a quarterback and they were Bill O'Brien was asked, would you consider Kaepernick? And he goes, no, Kaepernick hasn't played in a while. And I cannot remember who it is, but they ended up signing someone who had not actually played in a while. Um, so yeah, it yeah, was look, like Josh Johnson or something, if my memory serves. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, and look at this week: the Chiefs lose Chad Henney. Who do they go after? Matt Moore. I mean, listen, you can't tell me that Kaepernick is a better, or excuse me, a less better option than Matt Moore. If Mahomes goes down, yeah, man, I want Kaepernick here. Just in case, but not the route the Chiefs went. An even better example, the Colts just lost their quarterback and their Super Bowl chances just went way down. Listen, I know it was different circumstances, but Kaepernick has come in before as a backup and has taken a team to the Super Bowl. It was replacing Alex Smith in San Francisco, but uh, I understand he's not with the team right now, So, but still, he's done it before. And even then, the Colts are still saying no to Kaepernick. Look, I'm not happy with the way it's panning out for Kaepernick. It sucks, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, we need to just drop this discussion that Kaepernick is coming back to the NFL because there are so many quarterbacks who have gone down with injuries and teams have not reached out to the to, to Kaepernick. And by Andrew Luck, the biggest loss I can think of, if this does not ignite a Kaepernick return... Nothing else will. No, I think you're right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think that's maybe not the hottest take ever. Uh, but no. the fact that, I mean, I, I can believe both things, right? I can believe that, obviously, at this point, it's time to just drop the comeback talk, which I do. But I also still believe he was absolutely blackballed. Like, some of the, you know, Case Keenum has had a starting job how many times in the last three years? Ridiculous. I refuse to believe that he's a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick because he's not. Now, yeah. you know, to your point about, you know, we signed Matt Moore versus Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, because, you know, we don't want the media circus that comes with it. Like, the cost-benefit analysis just isn't there. You know, the potential benefit of bringing him in as a backup, you know, if we are going to have Mahomes play the entire way anyway, which... All Chiefs fans better hope is the case. Um, you know, the only you know, game that I'd be okay with him missing this year is Week 17, and that's because he's resting for the playoffs. Like, I'm fine with that. But uh, other than that, like, you know, you got to hope Mahomes is playing all, you know, all 16 games, so to speak. And so the backup, you know, is kind of an afterthought, especially here. In other places where, you know, the backup could quite legitimately compete for a job, like looking at the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to, you know, likely emerge with the starting job in Miami. You can't tell me that Kaepernick wouldn't be a you know, slightly better option there. But it, it, again, it comes with the media circus aspect of it that, like it or not, NFL coaches especially just don't want that around their team. Um, so do I think he was effectively blackballed? Yes, I do. Does that mean, you know, I don't think that, you know, we could drop it at this point? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a fan of it, but I think that's just the way we're going. You know what I would like to see? And I don't think enough reporters have done this because they're scared of their credentials getting revoked. Um, I think owners should have to face the question of why is this 
why are you not allowing this for your team? Now they're going to deflect this to the general manager, and the general manager will deflect this and just say he hasn't played in a while. But um, yeah, uh, it is unfair. But yeah. that's just the way. It's I wish they had out, done it at the time, though. Like now, I it's. Sip- I mean, now he's thirty-one, so it's different yeah. Okay, now. that's fair. That's fair. Um, but look. Kaepernick's doing fine. He's obviously got a big role with Nike. I mean, he obviously had a big say in the whole shoe controversy with the flag. So he's obviously in a really good place right now. It's not like he's suffering and is unemployed. I mean, he's doing big things right now. Um, Still trying to uh, call for equal rights. Uh, I mean, look, he's keeping himself busy. So it's not like it's the end of the world for him. So regardless, uh, I just don't think it's going to – I mean – Anyone that's still holding out hope, this this week has to pretty much solidify. He would sure make the uh, XFL me, interesting. I'm one of those guys that was hoping he'd come back. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're not going to allow kneeling. Apparently, <laughs> really but, is that like, is that actually a thing? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that I believe so. Yeah, I believe it was stated specifically. You, that wow, they have to stand I did not the know anthem, that. So. That's funny. Never mind. Yeah. there goes that idea. Uh, good old Vince McMahon for you. Yeah, there's there's always the CFL. I mean, I don't know how strict they are on their anthem uh, uh, when the anthem's happening, but maybe. Uh, although I think that would have happened by now. Uh, that is our hot take segment. If you have a hot take, let us know. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Zach is at Z Stegna on Twitter. I am at Farzine21913808219. One nine, and uh, you guys can subscribe to the podcast and share the links as well. Uh, I'm gonna go solo on Friday's episode. We are going to recap the Chiefs and the Packers game. Who made a big playoff, or excuse me, not a playoff push, a roster push from that final preseason game? Also, we want you guys to submit questions for our Q and A segment next week for Wednesday's episode. So, whether it's through email, farzine at farzinevisugian.com. Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Call us, leave us a voicemail, text us. We want a bunch of questions. We want to do a massive uh, Q&A mailbag segment. So please, if you guys want a question uh, about the Chiefs for the upcoming season, throw it all away, and uh, we are going to answer those in our Q&A segment next week. And then on Thursday's episode... We're previewing the Chiefs season, and we are going to do our first game preview of the year. Football season, uh, the regular season, is just around the corner. I am Farzim Vesugian. He is Zach Signa. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We will talk to you on Friday. Take care.